Welcome to Pods Like Us. Again, Marv is still a little bit under the weather, so you've got the, I shouldn't say the beautiful voice, but that's it's a bit presuming, isn't it? You've got me, I'm back, it's Sean from Review Yourself. Uh, this week, Pods Like Us meets Jay Hall from the Oki Bookcast. And uh, the Oki Bookcast uh, podcast episode begins with news, followed by an interview with an author, before ending with a book recommendation from another author. So everybody, welcome Jay. Welcome Jay. Yeah, thanks, Sean. It's great to talk with you. I'm I'm bummed that I don't get to talk to Marv, but I will eagerly accept the substitute. Thank you. I am. Um, hopefully, I'll be better than you know substitute teachers. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm pocket fun, but uh, it's, yeah, uh, I know it's it's a shame. Marv is an absolutely fantastic interviewer. I've had the pleasure of being on this podcast as a guest, yeah. so I know what you're missing out on. But you know, you'll get a slightly different flavor. Should be good fun. Should be good yeah, fun. Be good fun. Be good. <laughs> so we'll kick straight into it. And what's your earliest memory of of, of reading uh, first book that you really connected with? So I I don't I started reading very young, and so it's it's hard for me to think back to the the beginning of that. But I will. There is an apocryphal story in my family about when I was three, maybe four years old. Um, we were on a trip with my my parents, my grandparents, and we'd stopped to get gas. And my grandfather took me into the bathroom because I was three or four years old and I had to stop every time there was time to stop. And the story goes that as I was standing in the bathroom, I started to read what was written on the walls. So the first, and again, I don't remember it, but the memory that others have for me uh, is of my early reading things that I probably should not have been reading. And in fact, I was reading it out loud. So I said some things very early on that should not have been said by a three or four year old. Um, but my, the, the first book that I can remember being excited about reading when I was in first grade, so six years old or so went to the library with my class at school and everybody's going around picking out a book. And I remember, and I wish I could remember what the book was, but I can remember the cover vividly, uh, had a couple of kind of cartoony, cool looking robots, at least, you know, cool looking to a six-year-old. And I, so I, I pulled it down and I took it to the, uh, the desk to check it out. And the the librarian looked at the book, looked at me and said, oh, this this book is for older kids. You're you're not going to be able to read it. And I, I remember feeling like, oh, you know, really disappointed because it just looked cool. But my first grade teacher, Mrs. Lewis, so shout out to Lydia Lewis, um, was standing there and she said, no, 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 he'll be able to read it. And I I remember just this feeling of I can do things that big kids can do, which felt awesome, but also, and I don't know that I had the, you know, the capacity to understand all this then, but the fact that my teacher believed in me to the point that she was willing to stand up for me and say, no, he can do this thing, um, really, really still sticks with me. I, you know, that was 46 years ago. And I can still just remember what that felt like as a six-year-old kid thinking, this is really cool that my teacher thinks I can do something that the big kids can do. So again, I wish I could remember what that book was. I would love to just have it, but it's lost to memory now. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful story. And it just reminds me of 
like the magic that you get with books. So anybody yeah. who doesn't know, because if you're a regular of pods like us, you'll have only heard me once, twice now. Um, uh, I, I absolutely love reading. And, yeah. you know, I'm one of these people where people say to me, like, you know, how, how do you know these things? And I just say, I read a lot. Yeah. And it's something my grandma said, still says now, um, when I'd say, Grandma, how do you know this stuff? I've read it. I've read it somewhere. Is my goal to? So it was, <laughs> how do you know that? I've read it somewhere. I saw it on a film or documentary, but I'm pretty sure it's true. So no, I, I, um, I'm excited. I know Jim, I've not here, but I am really excited to to do this one because I, I absolutely Good. love reading. If I could turn the camera, um, and show you my room, there's just books everywhere. Um, so awesome. yeah, so fantastic. So. So it's quite good, really. A good, a good transition in that, you know, you started reading very young, as the majority of us do, not all of us. And so, how do you think your reading habits have changed over the years? So, do you know? Obviously, the level of of what you read changes. Sure. But as we know, although I don't know about America, but I know the average reading age in England, the UK, is eight years old. That's the average reading and writing age level. Um, I don't know why, why have I put that in there. I've, all I'm trying to say is that, yeah, we know that levels kind of climb. Sure. But it's it's how of, of reading age, uh, uh, not reading age. So how is you, how's your reading habits changed? So have you got to different books um, and th- different genres, things like that? So it's, uh, I was thinking about this question. So I was attracted to that book in first grade because it had cool robots on the cover. And at 52 years old, I'm still attracted to books with cool robots on the cover. So I don't know that it's changed all that much in some ways. Um, you know, I, a lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of the authors that I talk to and just folks in general talk about this reading slump that happens in high school and college, because you're having to read so much stuff for school that you don't want to read other things, or you reach a point where reading isn't quote unquote cool, whatever that means. I never had that. Um, so I have always just everywhere I go, there's a book. Um, and so, you know, it's a beautiful world that I live in now where I can get it electronically and I can have books on my phone. So I'm not carrying them around. But for a lot of my life, I did. Um, when I was in high school and college, I and, and a little after, I got into this mode of needing to read really serious books. Uh, you know, so I'm reading like In Cold Blood and Les Miserables in high school, you know, like every 17-year-old does. Um, and <laughs> and I, uh, and, and, you know, kept that going through through college. I was a music major in college, so I didn't have to read very much for college. It was mostly practice stuff, so I, I had time to read. And about Oh gosh, 20 years ago now, I I came to the realization that if I could read a hundred books a year, which I don't by any stretch of the imagination, but if I could read a hundred books a year, then from the time I was 30 to the time I was, we'll just say I make it to a hundred, that's 7,000 books that I get to read. And on the one hand, that sounds like a whole lot of books until you realize that there are millions and millions and millions of them out there. And, and so the shift that really took place then was if I've only got 7,000 books left, I'm going to read what I want to read, not what somebody tells me I have to read to be quote unquote well-read. So there are a lot of great literary works that I'm never going to read because I'm not all that interested in them. So, you know, the list of read these hundred books and you'll be, uh, you know, I'm not going to make that list because there's just things I don't, I don't care about. So that's awesome because it, it frees me up to read the things I want to read and not feel guilty or read out of obligation, but it also released me to stop reading things. If I'm, if I start something, I don't like it. 
you know, so for a long time, I was like, dang it, I've started this book and I'm going to, I'm going to slog through it no matter what. And this was the point where I was like, that's dumb, right? If I don't like this, why would I give up pages that I could be reading something else to, to this book? So uh, I've got a friend named Kenna who says, you know, life's too short to read bad books. And a bad book is just something that I'm not into. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just means I don't like it. So I think that's a couple of really big shifts that have kind of taken place just as I've grown up uh, as a reader. But the other big thing that's happened to me in the last, oh, five or six years, I started reading comic books and graphic novels, and I never did that before. And the the world of these opened up um, probably partly because of all the MCU movies and all the comic book related stuff that's in film. So I just got interested in those stories. And once I dove into it, then I... I mean, you talk about a rabbit hole. I mean, there's just so much there, not just in the superhero world, but there are some fantastic stories being told by brilliant storytellers in sequential art, in comics and in graphic novels. So things like like Mouse and Watchmen, although that's superhero-y. Um, well, now I'm locking up and not thinking of, of other great examples, but um, so many that just these great stories that are told in a different way that are compelling, that are smart and are really, really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's always good to, to look outside, you know, your usual sphere of reference. So yeah. like my example for a very different type of medium is, um, and it, it was, so I'm not sure if the, the book came first or if the made like, it's not a comic book. It's like the illustrated book from the, the film, but it's called, um, when the wind blows and it's by Raymond Briggs who did the snowman, if anyone's and the snowman yeah. and the snow dog, if anyone's ever heard of that. And it basically followed uh, an elderly couple, I think in Yorkshire somewhere uh, or in England um, in the aftermath of a nuclear war. Oh, wow. And it is, it's, it looks like the snowman, but it's incredibly dark and incredibly poignant. And wow. oh, it's fantastic. But I, I'm doing it again, Marv. There's a question that's occurred to me that I really want to ask because you mentioned when, you know, you know, you pick a book and like I say with films on my podcast that, you know, just because I don't didn't connect with it, didn't like it and say it's bad doesn't mean everybody, you know, I'm not like right. researching anybody that, that likes it. I mean, I like Batman and Robin for crying out loud. So, you know, temper <laughs> your expectations, people. But I just wanted to ask you, do you have an example of a book that you were really looking forward to? And that disappointed you because I have one. So I'll give my example and you can shoot me with yours if you'd like. My example from a few years ago. Now, I got into James Patterson a couple of years ago and was in terms of his loved Zoo, uh, like Zoo 2. It was like a short version. And I loved, what was the other one I read? That's oh, gone. But I read another one. I really liked it. So I was kind of getting into some of his. And I know he does a lot of collaborations. Now, mm -hmm. I've heard rumor that essentially he comes up with an idea and somebody else writes it. How true that is, don't know. But I was really looking forward to um, The President is Missing, I think it's called, which was James Patterson with President Bill Clinton. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Now, when I buy a book, I will read like the first page or so, because if it doesn't catch me, I have kind of a rule with books, like you were saying, if it doesn't catch me in the first chapter I, and I can't get into it, it just goes down like, oh, well, I tried. Uh, it's, it's it's a little bit like... um. We need to talk about Kevin. Oh God, I tried to read that. It just I was like, nah, nah. So um, yeah. So anyway, so I picked up the president is missing, opened the front page. My grandma, strangely enough, reads the back page. That's another story. Um, and, My wife, that makes me crazy. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I don't get it either. And um, I opened the front, 
uh, and read like the first like little page, going half a page, and it was like the president looked up. I can remember it was a meeting. The president looked over to his advisor. Stop. The president thinks his advisor is going to lie to him. Stop. And I thought, my God, this is like it's been written by a child. Like I can't read this. <laughs> that was on, no like no offense, Paz or Clinton, if you're listening. I get it. Just, it just wasn't my thing. Just just wasn't my thing. Uh, but I was, I mean, maybe I'll give it another go in a few years. But, I, it, you know, it's just like you're really, really looking forward to one. And it just, like, lets you down. But this is meant to be your interview. So, uh, sorry, what was, what would be, like, your <laughs> disappointing book? So, uh, this actually happened this summer. Um, I love Neil Stevenson, uh, who wrote Snow Crash and lots of really, really great stuff. And so, he had a book that came out this summer called Termination Shock. Uh, and it's kind of what they call cli-fi. It's a climate change fiction book. And the first, I don't know, 75 to 90 pages is really like it's action packed and lots of things happening and kind of interesting ideas about how it, the impact on the climate might look just a few years down the road. And then after about page 90, nothing happens for another 600 pages. And I just kept, it's one of those that I, I kept reading because I kept waiting and because I believe in him. And I just kept thinking, okay, this is going to go somewhere at some point, And it never did. Now, there may be others that read that and think it's the most incredible work of fiction in the history. I'm not on that list. So yeah, a, a fairly recent disappointment that, um, and I'll I'll read the next one he writes, or at least start the next one he writes um, to, to see how it goes. But for an author that I really, really liked to, to have a book that I just really didn't was a, a pretty big letdown. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? Um, so from reading, um, now can we turn to like, how did you get into interviewing authors for the podcast? Um, and how, how did that come about really? Was it an idea you had or somebody else? Or, so yeah. So uh, the real short version of this story, I found myself with some extra time that I hadn't had. I have four kids. And so you know, I just suddenly found myself as they were getting married and coming out of the house. And uh, my last one was a junior in high school when all this was going on, found myself with time that I hadn't had before. And so I just made a list of things I was really interested in. Cause I was like, okay, I have time. I need to do something. I don't want to just sit around, you know, for whatever time I've got. And I love to read. I love to talk about books. I I'm interested in technology and in the audio side of it. And so I kind of made this list one Friday night, went to bed, Woke up early the next morning, which is not a thing. Early Saturday morning is not a thing for me. And with an idea for a podcast in my head, and I'd never thought about doing that before. So, and, and I, the idea was essentially, there are tons of really great authors in Oklahoma that nobody knows about. There's a, a robust literary world that exists in this state that most people don't think about when they think of Oklahoma. They think of 50 other things first before they get to authors and, and books. So um, as a reader, I wanted to shine a spotlight on this robust literary life in Oklahoma. And it seemed to me that the best way to do that, rather than me talking about books, was to talk to the people that are producing them, because that gives me a chance as a reader to ask questions that other readers might be interested in asking, um, but also gives them a chance to, to spotlight their work and, and talk about what they do. And one of the things that's been really cool, you know, I I figured this would be an Oklahoma thing because that's who we are and who we're talking about, but we have people all over the world listening to this. And so it's really cool to hear, you know, I get emails and messages and social media from folks literally all over the planet saying, I heard you interview so-and-so on your show and went and picked up their book and it's awesome. So to really get to 
kind of open up the the world of um of what what's going on here so my my approach i come at it as a reader i'm when i started i hadn't written anything i've, I've since done some writing but uh, i came at it as a reader and i really hold on to the responsibility of wanting to help authors tell their stories but also to to talk about and give these authors a chance to talk about things that readers might be interested in so that they get excited about the person as much as they are excited about the book because sometimes those two things go together or sometimes being interested in somebody precedes getting interested in their work and then you go ahead and you know you pick up a book to support them and then turn out to love it yeah isn't isn't that a wonderful thing isn't that yeah. like a wonderful you know to feel like you're having that kind of effect it's pretty Absolutely. fun yeah yeah, I, I, I can bet it is. It sounds absolutely lovely. Uh, I can only hope to have, uh, I'm sure Marv does with pods like us, it's brilliant. I can only hope to have that kind of effect on my podcast, even if it's only, oh my God, I heard how bad you said Reminiscence was. I'm going to go watch it. Um, yeah. yeah oh, Robert, watch it again to counterbalance the fact that you didn't like it. No, 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 I'm not putting, I've got better things to do my time <laughs> than go back through that again. Um, <laughs> so, so, did interviewing um, these authors for the for your podcast, did it inspire you or influence your decision to write? Because I know you mentioned uh, when we were messaging uh, me, yourself, and Marv um, during Marv's medication sleeps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, yes, yeah, so you mentioned your new book, so I was just wondering, like, like, did 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 your writing precede the 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 podcast, or did you kind of did it influence you to get started? I have always wanted to write. I've always thought about writing. Um, I am a great starter of things and a horrible finisher of things, especially when it comes to writing. So I've had ideas for books spinning around in my head for, I mean, in some cases, decades, and just never really sat down to do it because I was, and these are the excuses, right? Too busy, or I was doing other things, or you know, tired, whatever. So the process of talking to authors I think really pushed me to go ahead and sit down and get the discipline to get something finished. Um, and I think of a couple in particular, there's a, a guy named Jeremy Kubitschek that I've talked to a couple of times, who's a nonfiction author. And my book is nonfiction. It's um, advice to young dads, basically, uh, because my son just had his first son. And so I was thinking about him and all the, the connections there. Um, but in talking with with Jeremy, he talked about his approach to writing nonfiction. And it's, you know, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and then you've got a chapter. And I thought, I can do that. So copied that style a little bit. But then the other, there's a set of authors I've talked to who are working, you know, full-time jobs. They're working eight to five. They've got kids. They're, you know, going to soccer practice or wherever they've got to go, but are still taking the time a couple hours a day, whether it's in the morning or at night or whenever, to sit down and just do the work. And so I think over time, I just got, I don't know if it was shamed into it because they could, or if it was inspired, uh, some of both probably is is where the the answer lies, to, to, to sit down and give it a shot. And so when I uh, decided at the very end of of 2022 that I was going to try to get this book written for for my son really but and for anybody else can listen as well read as well um I I had those people in mind that they can do it I can do it and and sat down and 6 weeks later had a book fantastic absolutely yeah um I definitely want to write a book myself it will be history based cool shock horror 
Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I've I, I've I've done university or college, as you guys say. I've yeah. went back and did my masters in history, so I know that I I can write well. I know that I can get a good through line of because all assignments essays are essentially a story of you saying this is how yeah. I'm arguing yeah. this point. Um, so you know, if I can do a ten fifteen thousand word dissertation on a subject with you know hundreds of sources, I'm pretty sure I could I could at least <laughs> write a book. Whether it would be good, no idea. Um, <laughs> but no, I, so I, I take my hat off to anybody who writes and it's something I yeah. Uh, something I definitely want to do. Um, you know, I think the other thing that, that came up in, in all these conversations is realizing there is a path to get your story out that doesn't require jumping through everybody else's hoops. Yeah. Right. So with, with print on demand and the ability to, um, to, you don't have to write a hundred thousand words to get a book out. My book is only 30,000 words, a little bit more. So it's about a hundred pages and a traditional publisher is not going to pay any attention to that because it's not long enough. But I don't need a traditional publisher, right? I can go on Amazon. I can put my stuff in. And like I said, I went from, hey, this is my good idea to my book is out in the world in about eight weeks because I didn't have to use all the gatekeepers for it. So so I tell you that to say, go for it because yeah. uh, it's it's easier now than it's ever been. Yeah. Well, that, I was going to ask you. I don't need to. I was going to ask again. Sorry, Marv. Another, Marv loves it. <laughs> another, um, another question, um, uh, which was like, what would your advice be? But you've, you've answered, you know, to anybody thinking about it. Because I know go there's lots of people there who think about it. So yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, great. Go for it. Um, As we're on books, well, we're not going to get off books, but um, <laughs> we're not going to get off books. Um, we'll go to what are your fiction and non-fiction favorites? Oh, man. Uh, settle in. This is a three-hour podcast, right? We can... We can give it a go. I mean, I might, I might have to finish and then go straight to work without sleep, but I'll give it a go. We're not doing that. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, so fiction, I read a, a lot of, a lot of everything, but the, probably my go-to genres, I love science fiction. Again, cool robots in sixth grade, it's, it's six years old. That hasn't changed. Um, so I'm a huge fan of science fiction. Um, I love guys like John Scalzi, who kind of writes with a, a bit of humor. Uh, Neil Gaiman is fantastic um octavia butler uh, another author name uh, and i'll butcher her name but it's Nettie okorafor fantastic uh, she writes african futurism um so i love science fiction and i love everything from you know what the future of earth looks like to giant sweeping space operas that you know cover galaxies um i'm also big into thrillers uh, lee child uh, you mentioned James Patterson. Some of his stuff I really, really enjoy. Uh, some of it is kind of more like the president is missing. Um, but Lee Child, I really enjoy. Um, I'm a, still a huge fan of Tom Clancy. I was actually talking about him on the podcast just uh, last week, uh, one of his his older books. Uh, and then more recently, I've really gotten into horror. You know, I've always read mm -hmm. Stephen King, but I haven't read a lot of other horror authors in probably in the last four or five years since my daughter has started writing horror. Um Paul Tremblay, uh, Chuck Wendig, uh, folks like Shirley Jackson, um, just really kind of enjoying how people put other people in really difficult situations in some of those books. So that, again, I could go on a long time on my fiction world. Um, my nonfiction reading, I don't read a ton of nonfiction, um, but when I do, I, I really enjoy memoirs, but only, and I don't know why this is, only by comedians. Uh, so I love like Trevor Noah's book, uh, Born a Crime, is one of the best books I've read of any genre. 
Um, and part of that is I, I listen to the audiobooks, and so listening to them tell their stories is really fun for me. Um, the other one, the other memoir, Eddie Izzard's book, that's um, called Believe Me, uh, something about a, a story of love, death, and jazz chickens, which is one of the all-time great titles. Um, again, just fantastic memoirs. And then I also love reading books on creativity. So um, Ken Robinson's books, uh, Quest Love, who's a drummer for The Roots, wrote a book called Creative Quest a couple years ago that's just off the charts great, talking about not just music, but his creative process. Um, yeah, I'll stop there because I could keep going. No, 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 no. You you keep going if you if you want to keep going. Don't worry about it at all. Um, so no, that's great. I mean, Marv again. I'm going to throw mine in. If I start with yourself, uh, what was that? Yeah, go for it. Cool. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> so my my fiction favorite would be um. Oh God, my head's gone. It is late here, by the way. Nonfiction's fact. Right, my <laughs> sorry, I have my brain. Right, <laughs> good God, my uh, my my fiction pick. And you talked about horror. And if you haven't read this book, it's I think it's technically a kids' book. Uh, it was first read to me by a teacher in primary school. So when right. I was about year five or six, which is I don't think about nine or eight or nine or ten, something like that. Nine Got or it. ten. Um, it's called Room Thirteen by Robert Swindells. Okay. And it follows a class of kids that go on a, a school trip to Whitby in North Yorkshire, where Dracula's boat, the Demeter, crash lands and he ends up in Whitby. Uh, it's a great place. If you ever get the chance to go, uh, anybody listening, or, you know, it's, it's beautiful, gothic, great place, a beautiful seaside town, great fish and chips. And <laughs> um, that, that book's fant- fantastic because they, they stay at this old B&B and... Is Dracula there? And although it's a kid's book, it's there's like certain things that you do you don't forget about it. Like the imagery, I've got a copy of it on my bookshelf. It's a book that I've all that's cool. Absolutely love. Um, so yeah, if you haven't read that or your daughter hasn't read that, give it a give it a read. Sure. Yeah, I'll pick it it. Uh and my fiction choice uh choice would be um The Boys, um, which uh Triumph Through Adversity, which is a book by Martin Gilbert, which talks about child survivors of the Holocaust uh, oh, wow. that were brought to Britain. I think 725. They weren't all boys. There was a few girls, but they were majority boys. And they were brought over here. One became an Olympic athlete for Great Britain. And wow. it's just about how they all coped with like going from such a horrific situation back to back to a country like Great Britain and how some of them rare, but some of them still came across anti-Semitism. And but the majority were welcomed. And it, it talks about how they managed to go through something so horrendous but then actually you know triumph over adversity there's no better yeah. way, but it, it's a fascinating book and it's one of those books probably you, you probably think this when when you read a lot and i read a lot of history and particularly about the holocaust nazi germany it's one of those books that you think why is this not on on every single like yes. you must read this book if you want to look at any of that stuff um so yeah, so as we're talking about that, it leads us into it. Do you have a recommendation for Overlooked Gem? Oh wow! Um, so I'll give you a couple. This is going to be a theme. I'll I'll keep going. Um, Go one one of the books. So again, I'm a huge science fiction reader, and when people ask me questions like that, basically, is there somebody that I might not have heard of that you might be interested in, or that that might be interesting? Um, there's a book by a guy named Werner Vinge called Fire Upon the Deep. 
that is, and I can't say much about it because it'll give too much away, but it is some of the most brilliant world building I've ever run into. Um, he's a fantastic author and he he creates these worlds and these creatures that are just mind-blowing. Um, so Fire Up on the Deep, I'd absolutely say that. And then staying with the the science fiction, um, I'm a huge fan of classic science fiction. So stuff from the 40s, 50s, 60s, into the 70s. There's an author named Clifford D. Cmac, who is one of my favorite authors of any genre, um, who kind of gets lost in Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and some of these other names that people know a little bit better. But Cmac was writing at the same time and writes these fantastic stories about um, that are very human, even if there are no humans involved, uh, about just they're emotional, they are... There's depth to them. They're funny. Um, but everything from his short stories to some of his classic works uh, like Waystation and City. So Clifford C. Mack, if you're interested in, in classic science fiction of that era, definitely want to check him out. Um, and I recommend him constantly. My daughter and I do a, a book chat podcast as part of the Okie Bookcast, and she's tired of me talking about him. Oh, Dad, give it a rest. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the eyes roll every time. Again? Really? that's it <laughs> no it's good though. yeah i mean yeah overlook gems i could go on and on but for me man i'll <laughs> be very strange choices so my auntie recommends a lot of books to me a lot mm -hmm. of historical a fascinating book if you want to read because i think it um it shows kind of the charisma of 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 him and how some people who met him still consider him that way goes a bit darky as a stall with me people but it's a it's a book called until the final hour by trodel younger who was a young german uh she was hitler's secretary and she oh, was wow. with him right up until i think for a few years right up until like the last days in the bunker wow. uh, of, of hitler's life and it's a fascinating book to read i don't actually think i finished it you know one of those books you get very near the end and then it, 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 you just get busy right, yeah but for the majority of that, it's a fascinating book to read because it's somebody grappling with how they could be so naive. Yeah. But then even in reading it, you can still see she still has this awe of the man. But at the same time, knowing now, even though she didn't then, knowing now like everything that, that comes with that, but it's trying to reconcile these two things, this person she knew and all this stuff that she cost, she never saw, yeah. um, you know, so it, it's a fascinating book. I, I, I'm a bit like that. I like it's, it's, it's not a difficult read to be honest. It's quite an easy read, but it's, I like books that make you think, I know that sounds really stupid. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I can, I can read a, uh, you know, the, the end of the world running club as much as anybody else. I also love, I can read a book <laughs> like that as much as any other, but yeah, I like books that are very, um, that I like that, that make you kind of make you think and even maybe challenge your own preconceptions about certain things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So like, no, no, we talked about one of the, <laughs> one of the great things about, you know, that a book is good when you finish it and you walk away from it and you're still thinking about it. Yeah. And, and that can be fiction, nonfiction, whatever, but you, you walk away and realize I'm still spinning around in my head, the implications or, you know, what that story means to me or, or what, sometimes what I should do, right? Based on the things that I've read, you know, how should I think about the world differently or how should I interact with people differently? So, yeah, I I think that's part of the beauty of it. it they can stay with you. They get into us and we can't shake them. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely. So, see, I think 
I was good. The next question would be about your top five books. Um, you might have already mentioned some of them, but yeah, what would be your top five books? Or maybe are they going to be science fiction? Aren't they? But this, yeah, go for it. This is like asking me who my favorite children are. Um, although it's probably There's only easier. four of them. Well, it may be easier for me to pick a favorite child than a top five books. Uh, but don't tell me how they know. Um, I'll, I'll give you three or four, and I've, I've talked about some of them already, so I'll just kind of run through real quick. Um, Cormac McCarthy's The Road is one of my favorite books. It is a bleak kind of look at a future. Um, is that, that the one that got made into a film with, uh, oh, what's his name? Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen, yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. Go on. Oh, yeah. I haven't read the book, but I like the film, so maybe I need to give that a look. So the, the book is so much better, and if it's possible, so much more bleak even than the film, although the film's pretty bleak. Uh, but Cormac McCarthy is one of the great American authors. I love all of his stuff, but particularly wrote um, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, brilliant, brilliant book. Uh, short premises. What happens if all of these things that we worship are actually like personified? So, you know, you have death walking around and you have, you know, a, a, a God that is media and a God that is food and and then you have the old gods from like Norse and other places. Anyway, really interesting kind of concept and execution. I mentioned Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. I think it's a fantastic book. Uh, there's a book that was written about Oklahoma City called Boomtown uh, that really kind of tells you what a crazy place I live in um, from its very inception to up until just, well, a few years ago when the book was written. I think it was written about 10 years ago. But it traces the history of Oklahoma City and tracks it, parallels it with the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is our NBA team, and kind of the the different parallels of, uh, and again, for somebody that doesn't know a lot about Oklahoma history, this is not going to make a lot of sense. But um, the way that the Thunder kind of came into being is very similar to the way that Oklahoma came into being. And brilliant book by a guy named Sam Anderson. He's a writer for the New York Times. Um, but just a really interesting look at the place where I live. Uh, so that's called Boomtown. And then the last one I've already mentioned, a book called City by Clifford C. Mack. Fantastic book. It was written in the 40s. Um, short idea is what if humans left and left dogs and robots in charge of Earth? What would that look like? Uh, and it's, uh, it's fa- I, I see the expression on your face. It's fascinating and just a yeah. ton of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about the history of Oklahoma. I, I know a certain event in 1995, um, but that, that's well, literally right, about right. it. Um, that tends to be the way it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah, okay, so top five books. Cool. So we go back to finally get back to your podcast. Oh, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's what we're talking about, are we? So as we as we get back to, to the podcast now, um, how do you structure your podcast and, and script? How, how does that work for you? I, I I try not to script very much of it. So as you mentioned at the beginning, the podcast is essentially me having a conversation with an author or uh, somebody connected, I say connected to the bookish life of Oklahoma. So I talk to booksellers, I talk to publishers, I talk to librarians, just kind of depends on what's going on at any given time. Um, I have a set of questions that I want to ask, uh, but the conversation always goes in different places. Uh, I I tend to send the the interviewee ahead of time just a real quick, here's four or five places I think we can go. And then I work out some more kind of thought through questions uh, with follow-ups and things like that. Um, but always want to try to, to give them a chance to talk about their work. But I also try to find an angle that is something other than just their books. So whether it's a a topic that they're talking about or some work or, or the work that they do that's not writing, um, 
you know, I've had a chance to talk to people who were refugees. And so we talked about, you know, that part of their story. Um, so different things like that. And then I end every interview with the same three questions. So everyone I talk to knows at least they're going to get these three questions, which is kind of a fun connection. I've done, I think the the episode actually that dropped today was my 39th interview. So in these interviews, uh, there is that connection that I can trace back through 39 conversations of, you know, this is what they said about, um, so the three questions just quickly, um, as they, they fall completely out of my head, even though I've asked them 40 times. Uh, but the first question is, uh, just asking them for recommendations. So a genre that they love to read and then some recommendations for books and authors. The second is the question you asked me, what's an early experience that informed their reading life or their writing life? And then the third question, the one that always gets them is, uh, if you could sit down to a meal with any character from fiction, who would it be and what would you talk about? And I, the answers I get to that question are fantastic. Everything from Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter to like Scrooge McDuck. Uh, and Oompa Loompas and you know, just different characters from books. And that's just a really fun way to talk about it. Uh, and then, so then after the review, I invite a, an, another author, a different Oklahoma author to come on and just do a quick two or three minute review of one of their favorite books. So the goal is that if, if you listen to the podcast, you're going to hear a lot about one author and kind of the things that they're into, but you're also going to hear about a ton of books over the span of the 45 minutes or so that that we're on. And you're going to connect with some of them. The other thing that we do, I mentioned earlier, the book chat that I do with my daughter. So we started doing in, in August a show called Your Next Great Read that is connected to the Okie Bookcast. It's all in the same same feed where Hannah and I bring on a guest and we just talk about what we're reading and who we think might like it. And um, just again, that the goal of that one is that over the span of 50 minutes, you're going to get a dozen or more book recommendations. And we just, again, I'd be talking about books anyway. I'd be talking about books with Hannah anyway. So we decided to turn on microphone and let other people sometimes endure our conversations, but most of the, most of the time get to hear uh, the things that we're recommending. Yeah. Yeah. Very much like me with films. I thought, well, I'm going to have these moans anyway. So why not talk to people from all <laughs> over the world and moan about them? That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So now I've, I've thrown this one in again. Uh, throwing my own question in about how difficult is it for you to organize guests? Because I imagine, I mean, this is just my preconceptions. I myself collaborate mostly like 99% with all the indie podcasters, mainly film podcasters, but there could be, I think we had like somebody who worked for a tech company, somebody uh, like a couple of historians, maybe, but, but in terms of like, I imagine it's more difficult with authors. I mean, do you have to go through agents or stuff? Like that? That's just something I genuinely wonder myself. So if I'm thinking it, somebody else will probably. Most offer. most of the time, no. Um, I've I've had a few who've had their publicist reach out to me or I reached out to them and, and we connected through a publicist and, and went through um, the conversation that way. For the most part, because a lot of my interactions happen either on social media, so I'm interacting directly with the author or... Uh, I've had the opportunity to go and speak at some of the author conferences that happen in Oklahoma. And so then I'll, I'll make connections there, get to know folks. And inevitably it turns around to, Hey, I'd love to have you on sometime. Or sometimes they'll ask me, Hey, I'd love to come on your podcast. So mostly it's just email conversations and, and kind of like what we were doing here, just direct messages back and forth, trying to figure out <laughs> what time zones look like across the, across the Atlantic. Um, but it's, it's honestly not that hard to 
to get things set up most of the time uh, because most of the authors that I talk to, they're, they are doing like I'm doing. They're working a regular job and then they do their author stuff at night. I work a regular job and then I podcast at night. And so usually it's just a matter of figuring out which night somebody didn't have soccer practice that we can sit down and, and have conversations or on the weekends or, or whenever. So I've been really fortunate up until now um, scheduling and kind of interacting and setting up um, not just, you know, one schedule, but kind of looking out two or three months worth of scheduling authors has been fairly easy. Uh, I should probably find some wood to knock on at this point because it'll get complicated as soon as I say that. But I it's I think we have a community that's really tight knit and authors want to talk about their stuff. And so when you give them an opportunity to come on and do that, um, usually uh, they're pretty accommodating to to try to find a way to make that happen. Yeah. No, that's true. It's yeah, it's pretty much the same way I organize mine. Um, just like I said, people want to talk about or people want yeah. to talk about films if that's what we're talking about, or books or whatever it is. And then they're interested in doing it and it helps them to get themselves out there and it helps you to have a good chat. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And so just as we start to come to the kind of last few questions, although don't worry, we're not rushing time or anything. Um <laughs> <laughs> would you like to explain your logo and how it came to be? So the design of it and the look of it, and has it changed since you started or has it remained the same? So uh, my logo is pretty simple uh, and that's intentional. Um, the The only thing that I, so when I was working with our the graphic designer who did it for me, the only things I was kind of set on, one, I, I wanted it to be simple. I wanted it to include only the colors that are in the Oklahoma state flag. So if you see my logo, the blue is the primary background in the Oklahoma state flag. And then the, uh, the red and the green are also kind of highlight colors in our flag. Um, it's the outline of Oklahoma, pretty simple. And then just Okie bookcast in, in big letters. And then I know you're not supposed to do this. Everybody says you're not supposed to have a microphone on your podcast logo, but it just made <laughs> sense. Uh, so I have a, a microphone sitting on a stack of books. Um, or sitting, I think, on an open book. I should know my logo. It hasn't changed since the beginning. Yeah. Because um, again, I I like it. I think it um, it says the things I want to say. Right. I mean, the it's the state of Oklahoma and its books. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma's and, the sooner state, right? Oh, well done, you. See, yeah. see, right. If it was up to me, I would have called it this. If you ever want to use this, you can. No royalties. Uh, read it sooner rather than later. That would have been mine. Go for something like that. A tagline, maybe. So here's the here's the problem, and this is more than you wanted to know about Oklahoma. No, so go for it. There are, are two major colleges in Oklahoma. One is the University of Oklahoma. They are the Sooners. That's their mascot. The other is Oklahoma State University. They are the Cowboys. If I had anything in it that was Sooners, I would immediately eliminate right. about 40% of the state because they're like, you know, that's how rivalries work. So it's a clever See, idea. But... This is why you don't let a foreigner name your podcast because <laughs> they don't know this stuff. <laughs> this is the, I, I promise I will not give you any advice about Premier League soccer and, and we'll just kind of keep or we'll stay in our lanes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's football, but it's fine. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I've already blown it. I've already screwed it up. Smooth it out. Smooth it out. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, it's uh, I don't. Know, it's when, what you call your football. I can't. You don't use your feet. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, I'm not getting into that. Um, do you? Um, so the the next question would be. Um, do you have any advice for somebody starting? Uh, or looking or thinking about making a podcast. Now it could be 
if it's about you know well any any podcast really just about about you know would you just recommend to take the plunge or, or do your research what what would your recommendations be so I actually had this conversation the other day with a friend of mine, and I will give you the greatly reduced version because I think we talked for about three hours. Um, and again, you've got to get to work at some point. So two or three things that I would I would say. One is decide what your thing is and make that. And don't let anybody else tell you what it ought to be. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get advice, but... Man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard some version of, you know, if you talk to authors from places other than Oklahoma, you would have more people listen. And that that may be true, but that's not the vision, right? That's yeah. not that's not the thing I want to make. I want to shine a spotlight on the place where I live because I think the literary community here is really great. So, so don't let people talk you into making something that's not what's in your heart just because it might make more sense, whatever that means, right? Uh, this podcasting is a passion thing. I mean, most of us, <laughs> there are very few people making any money doing this. Most of us, this is a hobby. This is the thing we want to talk about. You know, we've got something that we love and we want to, um, we want to get the word out about it. And that's what we're doing. So, you know, don't let people decide for you that this is the thing that you need to do instead. Um, the uh, Another thing, uh, make it as good as you can make it, but don't work so hard to make it perfect that you never actually put anything out in the world, right? I, I'm i not a perfectionist by any stretch of the imagination, but I am a tinkerer and I will just kind of keep messing with things, not because it has to be perfect, but just because my ADD will send me in a new direction. Um, so having a deadline, knowing that every, you know, the, the first and the third Tuesday of every month, I've got an episode that's coming out, makes me put that out and not mess with it, right? So this idea of, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, Make it good. We want to do the best we can do because we owe that to our listeners, right? I I don't want to put yeah. a bad product out there. And I don't want to listen to a bad product. But um, don't get so hung up on, oh, this isn't quite perfect that you don't put your thing out into the world. Uh, and, and then the last thing, I think it's really important when you're starting on this podcast journey to be clear-eyed about your expectations. Um, there's one Joe Rogan, and he's making a whole lot of money um, for lots of different reasons. And none of the rest of us are probably going to get there. And, you know, I, I hear people all the time say, well, my podcast is for everybody. And that's not true because there's 8 billion people on the planet and a lot of them don't speak the same language as you. So it's not for everybody because they can't listen to it. But, you know, I, a lot of people, I think, start podcasts and think, well, I've got 500 friends on Facebook and I've got, you know, 300 people that follow me on Twitter and everybody thinks I'm hilarious and all of them are going to listen to my podcast and they just don't. And it's not about you. It's not personal. It's because they don't care about what you're talking about. I can't tell you how many people in my world care nothing about Oklahoma authors, right? But it's most of the people in my world, quite honestly, my, my friends prior to, to starting this journey. Um, I don't take that personally, right? I don't expect them to to be into it. So I think just having reasonable expectations, because I think a lot of people give up because in their minds, I'm going to put out two or three episodes and I'm going to have sponsors coming to me and I'm going to have thousands of downloads and people are going to be talking to me. My Twitter is going to explode. And that's a pretty rare story, right? That's just not how it goes. So I think walking into it, kind of keeping those expectations, not that you want to say, well, this is never going to be great, but keeping those expectations reasonable, especially at the beginning, will really help go in the long haul because you're not going to constantly be dealing with disappointment. 
No, yeah, absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. And it is, and it's expecting things to just kind of, oh, well, if I stick with it, it'll continue to grow. Yeah. Sometimes that growth is ridiculously slow. Yeah. I, like yeah. I've been going since, what, October 2021? And I'm not ashamed to say I have literally just topped an average of 20 listens per episode. Yeah. And that that has taken me over a year, well, I don't know, a year and a half, or getting over a year and a half. You know, we hit two years in October. Like, I'm under no illusions. But then, you know, a Scottish uh, podcaster, Ryan Walker from the Walker Line podcast, who does an interview kind of similar to Mavs, um, he, who was my first collaborator, so, you know, always listen to people if they're going to help you out. Yeah. Um, he said to me, yeah, but imagine, and this wasn't when it was 20, this was when it was like 12, but he said to me, imagine if you were going to go somewhere once a week to talk about a film and 12 people turned up in that room and listened to you. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, so when you put it in like those terms, it's like, right, that is ridiculous. That's actually ridiculous. So, you know, I, I agree completely. Um, and I'm not trying to make it all about me, but I'm just, you know, I, I know what you mean. Like it's because well, I think it's important because I think sometimes there's a thing with, sorry, I didn't mean to written, oh, but yeah. I think, I think there's a thing with podcasting where, where <laughs> I, 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 I'm just being honest, right. Keep this in if you want, Marv or not. I don't mind. I think there's, there's because the main podcasters, and this, this isn't a default on them, because I, I mean, I've just done it today, but the ones who were doing really well with their numbers, the ones more likely to post it, those of us who were like struggling on like two or three listens an episode for months, we're not going to go, oh my God, I've finally got four people per right. episode and I've done 50 of them. I mean, we're, we're happy with it. But I think, so I think sometimes there's like, there's a disconnect between what the reality for the majority of podcasters is right. in the, yeah, it doesn't go like that. There might be the odd people who get like this start and they get, you know, 50,000 downloads in a couple of years. And you think, wow, you've really hit a niche. You've, you know, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've hit an algorithm, you hit the look fair, and you've put the hard work in as well. You, you've got it well done, you know, and you can't take anything away from those people. But I think there's an awful lot more probably like myself who were like, yeah, we put out content that I would hope is pretty good, but I would, when, we're probably never going to hit the stratosphere, which is probably not what I want anyway. But I think it's important to, to remember that. I think that's why you get a lot of, is it called pod fade? Where, yeah. you know, because I, I hate that when you find a podcast that you really like and then you look ahead and seven episodes, it's finished. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Great, great I, think that's, I think that's a, you know, one of the, the couple of things that you said. One is it's work. And I don't think I, I didn't appreciate how much work it actually is until I got into the middle of it and was like, oh, wait a minute. Right. Cause in, in our minds, you sit down, you turn on a microphone and you, you know, say your thing. And then when you're done, you press a button and it magically appears on the internet and everybody loves it. And that's not what happens. Right. There's so much more that goes into it. There's so much work that goes into it. And, and that's where it can get tiring if you, if you don't have that vision of, and, I, and that's why we'll go back to, Know what your thing is and make that because that's what you're going to be passionate about. That's what's yeah. going to keep you going uh, when you do only have two or three or four, you know, half a dozen downloads, which honestly, I mean, if you're at 20, that's that's the median, right? That's that's kind of right in the middle of, of what of how people actually listen. Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy. You know, I'm, I'm I've got I remember struggling to get a dual figure, so I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. And you get to <laughs> celebrate those little things, right? Yeah, you got to celebrate the little things. You got to celebrate the little things. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, yeah, it's one of those things. You've you've got you've got to enjoy it. You've got yep. to enjoy it. It's like the advice I gave on uh, Chat Tsunami, which is also an interview. Yep. Um, 
and I basically said something with uh, along the lines of don't try and go out there and make the best ever podcast. Do what you do and make it the best you can. Yeah. Like if you know, if you want to do a I don't know, you want to do a podcast about about a particular shoe brand line and you could go through all the models. What a niche to hit for a start. And two, if that's what you're passionate about, you go for it. Like yeah. you absolutely go for it and make it the best you you can and enjoy it. Like the minute it starts feeling like proper work, then it's like you probably need to start like either think of a break or you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so always goes off on one. Uh yeah, but I but still relevant. Uh, <laughs> um so Oh, here, here's a question for you. So Marv had written it. I've slightly changed your word, reword, reworded it a bit for you, Marv, in that what podcast do you never miss? Because I personally, I don't listen to a lot, but I've got like two that I never miss. Uh, and they're both on breaks. Um, but yeah, they'll be back if you're all right. But, uh, so what podcast do you do you never miss and you make it time to, to listen to? Um, gosh, that's a great question. I, I tend to dip in and out based on kind of what I'm doing and what I'm interested in. Um a couple of, of indie podcasts that I listen to a lot. Uh, one is called Surely You Can't Be Serious. Um, and it is a couple of guys from Norman, Oklahoma, just down the road from where I am right now, who uh, it's one of the best 80s and 90s pop culture podcasts I've, I've heard. Their research is off the charts. Um, you know, they they deep dive. So they'll take like a an album from the 80s and go track by track talking through it or a film or they'll compare a couple of films. Um, but it's... They're funny. They're they're really good together. But the research is the thing that really grabs me. That they they deep dive into this stuff and come up with things that uh, you know I've never heard. So you talked about earlier. Where did you find out about that? Well, a lot of times it's from. Surely you can't be serious. Um, another one I listen to quite a bit is called Fave Five from Fans. Uh, a guy named Jamie Ray who uh, just brings on friends. I've been on a couple of times actually, and just we go through our our list of our five favorite whatevers so he and i did a show about movie aliens and we we tracked down our our favorite movie aliens we've talked about uh, the mcu we've talked about you know just lots of different things like that so that one's fun uh and then a couple others that i don't ever miss revisionist history which is malcolm gladwell's podcast is brilliant he's an incredible storyteller um uh yeah and then um Seth Godin, who's a, a marketing kind of guru, genius guy, has a podcast called Akimbo that I download and listen to every week on the way to work. Spot on. Some great recommendations there. Uh, so as we um, start to kind of come to the end of this one, um, as much as I could talk for hours, I need sleep. Um, <laughs> I get it. We, um, where can, where can, actually, know what? Actually, I'm going to throw another one in. Sorry, Marv. Uh, second to last one, I promise. <laughs> Is there anything that I, I haven't asked you that you particularly want to talk about or any particular aspect of your podcast that you think I would have liked to have mentioned that? Oh, wow. Uh, again, you have to go to bed at some point, so I have to be careful. Um, so I've mentioned a couple of different formats. The other thing that we do that that I think is is just a ton of fun and kind of a talk about a passion project. I produce through the podcast a uh, a quarterly anthology of Oklahoma poetry. So we we invite Oklahoma poets to send in recordings of them reading their work. And then um, once a quarter, we we put those together and put it out. It's called Behind the Rain. And we've got one coming out, actually. So it's April 4th right now as we're talking. We've got one coming out on April 15th. Uh, the next edition will be happening there. And, it, you know, that's one of those things that I thought, you know, the the literary life of Oklahoma is so vast with comic artists and nonfiction writers and fiction writers. 
where do the poets fit in? And rather than talking to a poet about poetry, even though that can be fascinating, I thought, man, wouldn't it be better if we just let them share the work that they love and that they do? So that's, and honestly, that's one of our most popular uh, products that we put out. Uh, I get more downloads on Behind the Rain than on anything else that we do, uh, which tells me something about where I should be focusing energy, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, love, <laughs> love Behind the Rain. And um, yeah, other than that, just we come out a couple times a month. The the regular book cast, the interviews come out on the first and third Tuesdays. The uh, Your Next Great Read, the book, talk, book chat show comes out on the fourth Tuesday of every month. And uh, it's just fun. It's great stuff. Yeah. So that's what it needs to be fun. Um, that's it. So, yeah. So if people want fun and all those things that we've spoken, we spoke <laughs> about, uh, I didn't mean it to sound like that. Um, <laughs> if people want <laughs> author fun, um, <laughs> where can, where can they find your podcast? And uh, yeah, yeah, I know you've mentioned when they come out, so you don't have to, but where, where can they find yeah. you? And that kind so of um, it's the website is okiebookcast.com and uh, it's O-K-I-E bookcast.com since Oki may not be a real familiar term to some of your listeners um okiebookcast.com i'm on across social media at okiebookcast uh, primarily on twitter i also hang i've got a facebook group and uh, i'm on instagram a little bit but twitter's kind of the main place i'm hanging out at least right now as we wait to see what elon's going to do next but that's where you can find me at this point um you never know and- you could use your logos the main logo of twitter all all avenues of possibility are open. That's right. It just open. takes it just takes a few dollars apparently to be able to do that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and if I can, real quick, just I mentioned my book. I don't want to spend a ton of ton of time uh, pubbing it, but it's called "God Help Me, I'm a Young Dad: uh, Ten Essentials for Becoming the Dad Your Kids Need." And it's it's just it, basically I've I've got four kids. I've been a dad for 26 years, and it's it's advice that I was writing to my son that I then put in a book form for everybody. So it focuses on these 10 kind of big things that are who we need to be. Um, So we talk about love, we talk about gratitude, we talk about joy, we talk about compassion, um, and thinking about how to build that into our lives as dads, but also then to begin to build that into the lives of our kids as well. So it's, um, I talk about as part inspiration, part education, and part application, really focused on uh, helping dads become, like I said, the, the dads that their kids need. And you can get that on Amazon. Um, again, God help me, I'm a young dad. Yeah, spot on. We know we know um, the the massive impact that that, that dads have on absolutely children's uh, not just aspirations, but kind of their life outcomes. That we know mothers do. I'm I'm not saying you know, but we know right. It's particularly the absence of a father. You know, we we know that that is that is huge. Um, yeah, absolutely spot on. Yeah, so thank you very much for joining me. I, I honestly, you, I've absolutely loved it. Um, you're listening to Pods Like Us. Must remember what I'm on. Uh, Pods Like Us, you can find on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Marv is the regular host. So go back a couple of episodes now and you'll be able to hear his voice. Slightly different Northern England for anybody listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, still as lovely to listen to. So, no, thank you, Jay, for coming on. And Sean, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Marv, I hope I've done you again. I hope I've done you again. Jesus, no. I hope I've done you proud again, mate. Um, an audience, do you want Marv to return? I mean, we want him to get well. Of course we do. He's, he's all right, by the way. He's, he's just a bit of a chest infection. He's doing all right. Um, you know, so he's, he's not, you know, he's doing all right. Uh, but do, do you want him to return? Are you are you kind of liking this slight takeover? 
Let him know. <laughs> Let him know. But no, thanks for thanks for coming on. And uh, no, I, I've absolutely loved the chat. And uh, thank you to anybody who's been listening, uh, because we do appreciate the time that you give of your life to listen to this. So thank you very much. Cheers, Jay. Thank you. Great stuff. Talk to you later, Sean. Talk to you later. Thank you.